0: Amen. It's been good already to have been in the house of the Lord. Amen, but I'm looking forward to hear the word this morning So good to have brother Caleb Gordon with us today, and uh, I don't know him well I just recently got acquainted with him. I did meet him last October in the uh, ministers meeting in the state of Arkansas Uh, He is an evangelist that is from Birmingham, Alabama and been there his whole life. That's his home And he may tell you a little bit more about that, but uh, got acquainted with him then and just been following him on Facebook and different things and talking with different ministers. Hey, how's this guy? What kind of a preacher is this guy? And uh, everybody I've talked to said he's a great, great minister of the Word. And we appreciate him so much for being here. And uh, I know you're going to enjoy Brother Caleb. So, Pathway, give Brother Caleb a good hand. Clap this morning. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ezra chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I want to say it's so good to be here with you this morning. My name is Caleb Gordon. I'm an ordained minister in the Church of God. My home church is Pleasant Grove Church of God. If you're ever in Alabama, it's between Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. Birmingham. No stranger to Arkansas, though I still live in Alabama, this is the, search, it's the sixth church that I've been allowed to preach in. And I want to say thank you so much, Pastor Rigney, for giving me the opportunity to come and to preach this morning to your wonderful congreg- congregation. Are you thankful for your pastor here this morning? <laughs> Amen. Born and raised in Birmingham, Alabama my whole life, but my parents years ago actually lived in Arkansas. My dad was transferred to Greenville, Mississippi, and uh, they decided to live in late. Village, Arkansas. But I want to say here this morning, it's good to be with you, and I have a word that I want to share with you. Ezra chapter four. uh, Also, I want to say my kids are delighted to be here as well. Uh, Keep the children's pastor in your prayer, because she has two five-year-old twins, and one of them is probably running around crazy. Amen. But Ezra chapter four, I'm going to read to you verses one through five out of the King James Version. Ezra chapter four, verses one through five. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel, then they came to Jerusalem and to the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you. For we seek your God as ye do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of Asherah, king of Assur, which brought us up hither. But Jerusalem and Jeshua, And the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Look with me again at the beginning of verse 5 where it says, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. My message here this morning is fighting through frustration. Fighting through frustration. Anybody here frustrated today? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll raise mine high enough for all of us. But through the, all through frustration, God is still good. Amen. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you have your way here today. Lord, I pray that you touch every single soul that's here today. Lord, I pray that you touch the sick and and the shut-ins, Lord, that were unable to be here. And Lord, I pray that you be with the people that are on vacation. And Lord, I pray that you have your way here today at Pathway Church. Lord, there are many here today, Lord, that are fighting through frustration, and the frustration is something that only you know about if they've not shared it with anyone. But Lord, I pray that they will not give up, Lord, that they will not stop. But Lord Jesus, that they will put their eyes on you, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord Jesus, that here today that they will fight through frustration and carry on the work that you have for us to do. Have your way here today, Lord, and encourage your people in a supernatural way and let all God's people say amen. Fighting through frustration. In Ezra chapter 1 in verse 1, the Bible says that the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. What did the Lord stir his spirit up to do? It was to build the Lord our God a house. That expression stirred up the spirit in late Hebrew, it means divine motivation. One thing that we must do here today is we must ask ourselves the question, why is it that we do what we do? And we must also ask ourselves, to whom are we doing it for? For the why is very important. A pastor friend of mine in New Mexico, a best friend of mine, I preached a revival for him a couple years ago. There was a lady in his church that decided one day she was going to start a nursing home outreach ministry. She did not consult with the pastor first, but simply she decided that she would do it on her own. Well, after a few short months, she got a little tired, a little frustrated, got a little weary in what she was doing. So she decided she wasn't going to go to the nursing home anymore. My friend that was the pastor, first off, he was frustrated that one of his members started this outreach ministry with the church's name on it without talking to him first. And he was the pastor. But he told me, he said, Caleb, he said, I've got to keep going myself because the church's name is on it. And there are elderly people at the nursing home They're expecting my church to come and to minister to them well my friends I want to tell you we must ask ourselves why are we doing what we are doing simply why did we get out of our nice comfortable beds this morning get all dressed up and come to church this morning was it to be seen by somebody or did we come to worship the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob my friends I want to tell you that the why is very important I find myself at times asking myself Caleb why is it that you're an evangelist why is it that you travel in prayer is it because you want people to pat you on the back and talk about what a good preacher it is? Is it so this or that? And I remind myself of the words of Paul. And Paul said, What we do, we don't do unto man, but what we do, we do unto God. And my friends, I want to encourage you here this morning. Whatever it is that you do, do unto the glory of God. For if you do it for any other reason, you will become so frustrated in life that you will give up. But my friends, if you were doing what you are doing unto God, Now, I understand not everybody here this morning is going to have a pulpit ministry. Not everybody is going to stand up and preach. But can I tell you here today that whether you're clergy or laity, the day that you got saved, you were entered into the ministry. The day that you got saved, your life was no longer your own. But Paul said it like this. He said, I am a slave unto Christ. And my friends, we must do what it is that God has called us to do. We live in a time where people truth be told have become soft. Now I'm 28 years old so a lot of people would want me in in the, in the millennial generation and I'm just going to tell you the truth. A lot of people my age don't have any grit about themselves. They're, they're, at times you will see people in ministry, perhaps you've heard this before, they'll say God sent us here and then two months later they say God is telling us to leave. My friend, I want to tell you whenever you get a word from God to go somewhere, you need to go put your feet deep down in the and say devil come hell or high water I'm not going anywhere till God tells me to move my friends might I tell you that God never one time said that life would be easy he never said that it would be fair he never said that you would never have trial nor tribulation but he said I'll be with you always until the end of the age and I want to encourage somebody here this morning that he's still the fourth man in the fire that he will never leave you nor forsake you but you must fight through frustration and do what it is that God is called you to do. Let me just share my testimony with you for just a moment. I was born a crack baby, crack baby, meaning that my biological mother, she did drugs when she was pregnant with me. So when I was born, I had drugs in my systems. I, I in my system, I was having seizures every 30 seconds. The doctor said as a result of that, that I would never walk. I would never talk. They said that I'd be mentally retarded. There were two people by the name of Benny and Patty Gordon. They were foster parents. They had two kids of their own. And one day they decided that they would become foster parents. Very funny story how that came about. My mom, she went to my dad one day and she said, you know, I kind of feel like God is calling us to be foster parents. Will you pray about it? And and she said, I want you to pray about it. And she said, I'm not going to ask you about it. But in two weeks, I want you to give me an answer. And just tell me, what do you think about this? And did you feel God calling, calling us to do this as well? Two weeks go by, and she said, well, Benny, have you got an answer from the Lord? And he said, yes, I have. And she said, well, then what's the answer? And he said, I feel that we should become foster parents. And just out of curiosity, she asked him the question, well, how long ago did God tell you this? I know I gave you a two-week limit, but I'm just curious. And he said, God told me this four days after we talked about it. She said, well, why didn't you tell me four days afterwards? And he said, because you haven't asked me about it since. Amen. Just like a man, ain't it? (laughs) But here it is that they had felt compelled to become foster parents. So they go to this hospital in Gadsden, Alabama, and they pick up this small little baby boy whose birth mother did not want him because of all of his health problems, even though it was her fault. And so they take this baby in and they're taking care of him. Most foster kids, they were able to find a home for within three to four months. But however, with me, they could not find me a home because truth be told, most people when they go to adopt a baby, they want to adopt a perfectly healthy baby. Well my mom Patty Gordon she always said Benny if one of these babies ever called me mama it's gonna be mine. Well they had me for over 2 Years, You know what happens when a baby turns two, don't you? It can start talking. And so I called her mommy, and the rest was a wrap. And can I tell you here today that they adopted me and gave me their last name and took me in as one of their own? They didn't care the fact that they were older had two kids of their own. They didn't care what anybody thought or said about it. They didn't care the truth be told. They didn't have the money. They didn't even care that they were white and that I was black, and some of their family members disowned them just because of the difference in the races. My friends, I want to tell you, here today that whatever god has called you to do just do it in the name of the lord and the only reason i'm still here 28 years later is because god reached his healing hand down he touched my body saved my soul filled me with the holy ghost and called me to preach aren't you thankful here today that god is still the healer Amen. The Bible says the book of The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen. Amen. Fighting through frustration is something that we must do if we're going to live up to our God-given potential and to successfully complete and finish the work that God has called us to do. Here it is in my text that I read to you. The Bible says in in Ezra chapter 4 verse 1, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that they came to where the children of Israel were. How many of you realize and understand here this morning that we have an adversary? For Peter said that our adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But my friends, be encouraged here this morning. If you're a child of God and filled with the Holy Ghost, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And now is not a time for us to be shy. Now It's not a time for us to be intimidated, but we've got to get out there and do what it is that God called us to do. So here it is, God stirs up the spirit of the king to build a house under him. And these people, their adversaries come to them and they said, we want to build with you for we worship your God as ye do. Well, true, they did worship the God, uh, they did worship Jehovah as well, but the truth is they also worship pagan gods too. And so the leadership said, no, you will have nothing to do with us. Aren't you thankful here this morning for godly leadership? Amen. Amen. How many of you realize and understand that as the leadership in the church goes, so goes the rest of the church? And so here it is, the godly leadership, they said, no, you will have nothing to do with us. And I find what happens next to be very interesting. The Bible says in verse 4, Then the people of the land weaken the hands of the people of Judah. My friends, you must be careful who you allow to engage with in ministries in the church. For there will be people that will come in one day and say, We want to sing. We want to do drama. We want to preach. want to do this and that. And then as soon as you tell them, Well, we want to get to know you first and perhaps wait six months to a year. The next thing you know, they change. My friends, can I tell you not everybody who says it they're with you is really with you. For just as God sends people into your life so does the devil as well and so we all need to pray for the gift of discernment so that we are able to tell the difference between the two. So in verse 4 when it says then they weakened the hands of the people of Judah. I find this expression to be very interesting. Me, uh, coming from a military family, every man of my family served in the military at some point except for me because I was called into the ministry. But I think, weaken their hands, perhaps they mean like a great battle took place or a great fight, but not necessarily. In, in Hebrew, meaning it means to cause someone to lose heart and to be discouraged to the point that they're no longer... It, Effective and have the ability to do the work. As I look around this day and age, it would seem like the devil has weakened the hands of a lot of saints of God. Can I tell you one thing that truly troubles my spirit and that saddens me more than anything? Evangelizing nine years, I can't tell you how many pastors and youth pastors I've preached for over the years. They're no longer serving God, no longer in the ministry. Some of them don't even attend attend church anymore. But my friends, in this day and age, we cannot lose heart. This goes back to why are we doing what we are doing? Maybe perhaps at one point you were very excited and on fire for the Lord to teach a Sunday school class you had a lot of zeal a lot of passion you were studying the material putting your all into it but then the next thing you know it seems like people are coming in late the next thing you know they're not showing up at all and then your class starts dwindling down and you start getting frustrated and you go to pastor and say pastor I can't teach the class anymore don't have as many coming as we used to but my friends this goes back to why are we doing what we are doing and we are doing it for God and I want to encourage some I don't care if you got two or three in your class keep teaching anyways keep preaching anyways they may come in late but keep being faithful in what God has called you to do for God does not look at success like you and I do truth be told at times we just look at it perhaps like numbers but can I tell you there was a prophet in the old testament by the name of Jeremiah he preached for over 40 years and he said the people repenteth not he didn't have one convert but when his life was over he heard the word well done. My friends I want to tell you here this morning you gotta keep on keeping on whether they rejoice with you or whether they leave. You gotta keep on keeping on for God. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't stop when the cross got heavy? Aren't you thankful that he didn't just He didn't say "I oh, forget this this is too hard. Many of them are gonna reject me anyways but he left all of heaven came down to earth live as a man. He was one that knew no sin but became sin. He was a lamb of God that took away the sins of the world and he carried his cross up Calvary. So for people like you and me, my friends, I want to tell you here today, don't stop, don't give up, don't quit on God, but keep doing what God has called you to do. We have a lot of people in this day and age that have lost heart. A lot of people that have been come discouraged my friends let me just tell you in 2015 I was very discouraged and I was very frustrated I was I was sad I was depressed went through a change in my life I never thought would happen I I thought that my life was over thought that my ministry was over but I did not stop I did not give up and 2016 was the best year of ministry and 2017 has been even better let me just give somebody a word that so many times people on the the verge of receiving their breakthrough right before they throw in the towel. I was frustrated last year. I just got back from out of state. My car was acting funny the whole trip there. It was acting funny the whole way back. I pull in my driveway. I call my mechanic and tell him what's going on. I go back out to, I go back out to my car and I tell my mechanic, I tell my mechanic, Over the phone, I'm having issues with my car. So he gave me a couple of ideas of what it could possibly be. And so anyways, he said, Caleb, he said, it might be the transmission. I'm thinking that's just exactly what I wanted to hear. And he said, but don't worry. He said, simply, it might just be low on transmission fluid. And so he said, go to the store, uh, put some transmission fluid in your car, let it run for about 20 or 30 minutes and see what happens. I go back out to my car, try to put it in reverse, My car won't move. All of a sudden, I put it in neutral, put it in drive. I can't get the thing to move at all. And so I go across to my neighbor's house across the street, knock on his door, tell him what's going on. I said, man, I said, will you please drive me to the store so I can get some transmission fluid? He does. I come back, put it in my car. Same scenario. My car will not move. I call my mechanic. He said, Caleb, he said, I don't know. He said, you're going to have to have it towed to get it here and let me look at it. He said, more than likely, your transmission at this point is probably shot. And I'm thinking, oh, my. Well, then at this time, I had two vehicles. I had, a, I had a car, and I also had a minivan. I go to my minivan. I get in that, try to crank it. The car won't start. I'm thinking, I have two cars. Can't get either one of them out of the driveway. This is just not really my day. I called my dad, said, Dad, I have two vehicles. Neither one of them's working. I need some help. Can you bring me one of your cars? He had an extra one. And he said, yes, son, I'm on my way. So as he's on his way, I go back in, in the living room. I sit down on the couch, and I just begin throwing a pity party. I'm mad. I'm frustrated, and I'm thinking, I just got back out of town. I got a, a million things I got to do. Two vehicles aren't working. It can't get any worse. How many of you realize and understand? When it rains, it pours. All of a sudden, God checked my spirit as I was throwing a pity party for myself. And then I went from being mad and frustrated to rejoicing. Because I was thinking, as frustrating as this is, praise God that my transmission didn't quit on me till I pulled back in the driveway. Praise God it didn't stop on me when I was in Tennessee or another state. Could you imagine what a headache that would have been? I would either have to have the car towed all the way from Tennessee back to Alabama. Can you imagine how much money that would have cost me? Or perhaps if I would have had a mechanic work on there and had to stay in a motel for a week or so. Could you imagine what would have happened? My friends, can I tell you, you might be frustrated here this morning but it could always be worse but we can always find a a reason to dance to run to clap to rejoice if jesus christ has saved your soul if he's picked you out of miry clay set your feet upon the solid rock if you know where you're going when you leave this earth my friends we always have a reason to rejoice here this morning So there I am I'm sitting on my couch and I began preaching to myself I don't know how you encourage yourself but I encourage myself by preaching my friends I want to tell you the next time you get frustrated or, dis- or discouraged sometimes you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord maybe your health today is not what it used to be at one time but you can encourage yourself and tell yourself that he's still the healer maybe your financial situation is not ideal the way that you would like it to be but you can remind yourself that David said I was young and now I am I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. You can remind yourself that Paul said that contentment with godliness is great gain. You can also remind yourself that he said that my God shall supply me all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My friends, what we gotta do is we gotta encourage ourselves in the Lord and keep on keeping on. I'm sitting on my couch waiting for my dad to get there. I'm thinking, surely my dad's going to bring me the car because he knows that I evangelize and always travel into different places. He pulls up in his big red F-150 truck. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. Every time I crank this thing, there goes $10 in gas. (laughs) Began driving his truck. The mechanic's having issues with my car it's like setback after setback he said it only taken about 4 days he had it for about 2 months I'm thinking God I'm, I'm thinking you know I'm, I'm, I'm traveling and, and driving this truck as a matter of fact your pastor didn't know this but when he saw me at the Arkansas ministers meeting I was driving that big red truck and I'm thinking oh my goodness you know I can't be driving this thing to Arkansas and other states all the place I'm, I'm going to have to get me another job just to pay for gas but can I tell you though when I quit complaining and I started rejoicing can I tell you I didn't know the difference in the gas mileage or the difference in the fuel cost because God made a way where there seemed to be no Way. My friends, I want to tell you here today, maybe you're mad, maybe you're frustrated, maybe it seems like things are getting worse instead of getting better, but I want to give you a word that keep on keeping on. My friends, I want to tell you that things will get better in Jesus name, but you cannot stop. It says in verse five and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. My friends, life at times is frustrating. Just imagine for a moment that you're an evangelist from Birmingham, Alabama. You bring your two five-year-old twins with you to Blyville, Arkansas. Can you imagine what it's like trying to get them ready in the mornings? Amen. This morning, I told my son to brush his teeth. I look up. He's got his dress shirt on, got toothpaste all over his dress shirt. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we don't have another shirt. I have to go to Walmart, get you another one. I'm trying to get them ready. This one's over here karate chopping me, and this one's doing this and that. But, my friends, I want to tell you through it all, God is good. Amen. And kids are a blessing. Never let your blessings from God. Become the point of your frustration. Whether it's kids, whether it's ministry, whatever it is, we all get frustrated at times. If you've ever been laid off, you know how frustrating that is. You don't know how long it's gonna be till you find another job. As a matter of fact, when you don't have a job, looking for a job is a very tiring job. Maybe you're frustrated here today in your finances, maybe you're frustrated in your marriage. Maybe, most importantly, you're frustrated with your walk with Christ. But can I tell you here today that we serve a good, good God? Can I tell you, friends, that he has not changed? The last time I checked, he still sits on the throne. He still holds all power in his hand. His right hand is not shortened and all authority in his voice. This is the God that we serve of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The creator of the universe. If he can just speak the words, let there be light on the earth. And for the first time in history, there was light. Don't you think that he can change your situation? Some of y'all think that you're waiting on God. But God is waiting on you to walk in obedience and to have the faith. So that God can do what he wants to do. Here it is in the text. that The work of God came to a standstill. It ceased in verse 24. As a matter of fact, I'll just read to you the verse. Ezra four twenty-four. Then ceased the work of the house of God which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius king of Persia. Well, one question I have when reading that. We know that the the work of God, that the, the building of the house of God came to a standstill. But how long was that pause? It was about 10 years. But the work of God got finished. Can I tell you here today, maybe there was something that God spoke to your heart. Maybe there's something he told you to do. And it seemed like for one reason or another, the pause button was pushed. Maybe it's because you backslid and you got away from God. Maybe you got out of church. Or, or maybe perhaps you were, rid- you were really radically on fire for the Lord. And maybe the work of God stopped in your life. Perhaps because you messed up and you fell down. But my friends, can I tell you that the Bible says the book of Proverbs, though a just man falls down seven times, he gets up again. I want to tell you here today, I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care what you've done or how many or if you were backsliding, whatever the case may be, it's like one guy at my church used to say, if you've been backsliding now it's time that you slide to the front my friends, I want to tell you here today there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus, if you've messed up time after time, get up now and do what God has called you to do aren't you thankful that God can use us when we mess up, for I'm reminded of a man by the name of Peter, Peter cuss he swore, he cut a man's ear off in John chapter 18, he denied Christ three different times, and he allowed the devil to speak through him and say that Christ. You won't have to die by the way of the cross. But in John chapter 21, he had what I like to call a restoration moment. And in Acts chapter 2 or 3, when the day of Pentecost had fully came, he stood up and preached and only about 3,000 people got saved and baptized. My friends, I want to tell you, now it's not time to throw a pity party. Now it's not time to beat yourself up any longer. But now it's time that you get up in the name of the Lord and allow God to use you in a mighty way. The devil wants you to believe that there's been put a period there. But can I tell you in the name of the Lord, remove the period and put a comma. Amen. Friends, God is not done with you. As a matter of fact, one thing that we have in the body of Christ that is an attack against our destiny is this word called complacency. But my friends, I want to tell you, where some of you think that this is the best that it can be. Can I tell you, you're just getting started. Amen. How many of you believe here today that God's not done? How many of you believe here today that God's still saving people? He's still filling them with the Holy Ghost. He's still calling them to preach. Can I tell you here today that the next new church member of Pathway Church, it might be somebody that today isn't strung out on drugs, it might be somebody that has no hope, no joy, no peace. But I want to tell you if you will keep on in the name of the Lord, keep doing the work that God's called you to do, keep being the hands and feet of Jesus, keep doing outreach in the community. My friends, God is gonna save people. You're gonna see God do my things. I know it might be old fashioned and some of you might not believe it here today but I'm still believing for a mighty outpouring of the spirit and I believe that God's going to send revival. But my friends, it starts with each and every single one of us as individuals. We all get frustrated at times. People they make, because I'm a preacher, I guess people deem it necessary to tell me why they don't go to church and they tell me this often they say well I'm a Christian and I don't have to go to church it doesn't really affect my salvation and my response to them is if you were a Christian why would you not want to be in church Because let me just tell you the reason I share my testimony with you here this morning I want you to realize and understand something. Though I'm a Christian, though I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, though I'm a Pentecostal minister, I want to tell you my life's not always perfect. I want to tell you it's not always easy. But my friends, I want to tell you if God did it for me he can do it for you. My friends I want to tell you there are times that you come to church and somebody needs to hear a word of encouragement. There are times somebody needs to hear your testimony. There are times that they need to hear if God brought this person out, they can do the same for me. My friends, don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Don't be embarrassed about telling people what God's done for you, but open up your mouth and tell everybody how good your father is. Amen. Frustrated. We all get frustrated at times. But aren't you thankful here today that Christ is not frustrated with us. Hey Amen. My friends, he's a good, good God. God, unlike you and I, he cannot wink. He cannot turn a blind eye to sin. But he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. Maybe you've believed the lie here today that God or Jesus is frustrated with you. But can I tell you, he's madly in love with you. Here today, friends, all you have to do is come to him. Can I have my sister come up to the keyboard, please? I want to tell you, friends, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how many times you've messed up. Paul, the great apostle Paul that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament at one time was a murderer, wreaking havoc on the church, taking men and women as well out of their houses and committing them into prisons. Paul one time said that I'm the chief of all sinners. If God can take a cold-blooded murderer like Paul and turn him into the great apostle, Don't you think he can forgive you of your sins as well? Amen. If you will, please stand with me. Pathway Church, life can be frustrating at times. We go through highs and lows. We all love that mountaintop experience when everything is going great and wonderful. But I've discovered over my lifetime, there's just something about being in the valley. Because it's then that you truly learn how faithful God is. And I want to tell you, friends, he is faithful. Nobody wanted me. When nobody else wanted me, when nobody would adopt me, when people said that crack baby's not going to amount to anything, just throw him into an institution. Can I tell you here today, in 28 years of life, I've never been alone. Because God has been with me. In Genesis, when Joseph was transferred from the pit, sold as a slave and went to Egypt, the Bible says God was with him. When Potiphar was furious because his life lied to him and he threw Joseph into the prison, the Bible says that God was with him. And when Joseph finally went from the prison to the palace, the Bible says that God was with him. Daniel chapter 23, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. King Nebuchadnezzar stands up and said, Lo, didn't we cast three men into the fire? And he said, but lo, I see a fourth, and he looks like the son of God. Notice the Bible never says that the three Hebrew boys saw Jesus, or saw the the, the fourth one. Can I tell you, maybe it seems like you don't see him. Maybe it feels like he's a thousand miles away. But he's right there today. He's right here in this building. Here this morning, if this message was for you, i want to make altar call very simple. If you're frustrated in your walk with Christ, if you're frustrated in any way, in your marriage, in your job, if you're frustrated at all, I want to encourage you here today to keep going. I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar. Bring all of your hurt. Bring all of your pain. Be honest with God. He already knows how you feel anyway. So I want to ask you here today if this message was for you don't let the devil talk you out of it. Don't let pride keep you in your seat. But if you're frustrated here today and you have faith that God's about to move when you get out of your seat right now and when you come to this altar you have nothing to be ashamed of nothing to be embarrassed about. But here today if you've been frustrated If you're in the middle hall, ask somebody, would you please excuse me? I need to go to the front today. Will you come? Come one, come all. Bring all your heavy burdens, all your worry, all your anxiety, all your stress. Will you bring it to the altar today? Will you come? He is here.